Well, if you got through the first 20 minutes of the Toy Story presentation of the <laughs> London game, uh, then I guess you were treated to a, a really good overall NFL game presentation on Disney+. Plus. However, Mark, I, uh, after the first 20 minutes, abandoned ship and just went to watch the actual uh, game because they... They had some hefty, uh, you know, technical difficulties, if you will. But I will say overall, really cool concept. Uh, I liked, you know, watching it when it did work properly. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see more of those uh, for years to come. Uh, Playing some football in Andy's room. How about that was nostalgia for all of us, for sure. It's the time of your life, so live it well. Uh, Except for Booger McFarlane. He had a rough start to that because they're just kind of (laughs) like, vamp, Booger. Just talk, Booger. Uh, I, you know, it just goes to show you technology and what they're doing with it. Um, it's, it's a, a very unique thing. I'm very pro that to be like, Hey, the, for all those parents out there who have kids and they want to watch some football in the morning. And it's not like they did it. The only way you could watch it as that way. It's an alternate broadcast. So as long as they keep it to being alternate broadcasts and, and another option for parents out there, I think it's a really clever thing that. I hope gets a little more exposure. I saw a lot of dads on TikTok, Instagram, all of that stuff uh, saying, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me uh, a way to watch football on Sundays while the kids are occupied. That's that's ideal right there. It's uh, definitely appealing uh, to not just the nostalgia for us uh, millennials, but also for us millennials who have kids at this point. Uh, so that, that just adds a little bit of the enjoyment there for a lot of the parents, I'm sure. I wanted to, I, uh, yeah, I was sad that there wasn't uh, an appearance from Mrs. Nesbitt, uh, Buzz's alter ego when uh, <laughs> yeah. he gets trapped after being in, you know, in, in his arm ripped off. I, there was a couple of uh, crucial, I think drops in as far as it goes for uh, references of hilarity uh, from the Toy Story people, but you know, they always have time to, to improve it. Next, I want to see. Uh, I want to see the Pixar animated version of football of Up, and have Carl oh, Fredrickson man. out there, uh, you know, throwing dimes. And have Patrick Mahomes animated to look like Carl Fredrickson, just uh, side arming and throwing dimes down the sideline to Doug. <laughs> yes, let's do it. That's the next on tap for sure. I I should have queued this up so I could show it in the uh, in the stream, but my phone will just have to do. But. Um, Pizza Planet obviously is a a legendary uh, you yeah, know yeah. fictional pizza place and uh, always looked delicious. Always wanted it, but someone out here about a couple months back, Grace and I were walking around in Traveler's Rest, which is an awesome area area out here in South Carolina, and someone had the legit. Nice. They they made their their entire uh, truck to be into like the Pizza, pizza Planet. Planet. Right, it was uh, super cool, super cool. So yeah, I'm. I'm sure that would go for a pretty penny just uh, in how they I'm sure they've up. already they've received a cease and desist already. Disney is on their <laughs> yeah. on their ass. <laughs> Very quickly. Well, enough with the uh the fun banter. Let's get into just this miserable Serious week for both the Steelers, Bears, and many other teams here in our week four recap. Do you love everything sports? So do we. That's why we shop at Atomic Sports Cards and Collectibles. Atomic has everything you could ever want to blow up your collections. They have sports cards ranging from the 1980s to today, whether it's singles, wax packs, hangers, or boxes. They've got vintage hats, clothes, and collectibles from your favorite teams to widen your collection. 
Check out Atomic Sports Cards and Collectibles today at 102 4th Street West, Milan, Illinois. You are watching the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan, part of the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in every week with our weekly recaps and, of course, our bonus episodes as well. You can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Threads we're even on at FB Lounge. We're Sometimes the last ones FB on Lounge Threads. We're the last yeah. ones. <laughs> exactly. You're never exactly. kicking us off Threads. That's right. We're taking it by storm, ladies and gents, for sure. Uh, as we threads watch the, uh, the, the, the X uh, saga continue to crumble before our very eyes. Well, uh, we also saw some franchises begin to crumble before our very eyes this past week. And unfortunately, it's two of our, uh, you know, d- near and dear to our hearts here on the Football Lounge. So this should be, uh, you know, d- definitely not one of the more heartwarming episodes that you're going to watch <laughs> of us here on the Football Lounge. That is to say the least. But yeah. uh, before we get into this, appreciate our sponsors, Durham Remodeling and Ryan Allison Tattoo for making our streaming possible here. And of course, for uh, all of our great shows on the Four Frequency Sake podcast networking. You can check us all out at fourfantasysakeqc.com. Mark, we had quite a packed week yet again. Uh, a lot of close games, uh, a couple blowouts mixed in there as well, but uh, some surprises and uh, some not so um, surprising outcomes this past week. So let's dive in, starting with, as always, the Thursday night game, this one between the Lions and the Packers. Detroit winning by 14, a pretty convincing victory there for Detroit as they now lock up first place comfortably, Uh, even though it's just a game ahead of the Packers here uh, for that lead still seems to be a wide margin given how Detroit's playing and how the Packers have seemingly regressed the past couple of weeks. But this was about the running game. David Montgomery going off for 121 yards and three touchdowns on the ground for the Lions as the Packers muster up just 27 yards rushing in this one Detroit was up 27-3 at the half and while the Packers did come back a little bit in the second half too little too late as the Lions now roll to three and one on the season people want me to pile on the Packers obviously being the Bears fan that I am but I'll start with the Packers side of it I have one real just quick thought on it to me obviously they're beat up being beat up is not an excuse because everyone by week four or five you know we get into this part October the season everyone's dealing with injuries right but they really have been beat up And I will say, if you're a Packers fan, you have the easiest job in all the NFL this season. You're anytime anyone says anything to you, you just say, hey, this was a big, this is the learning year. We've just got to watch this kid play. We've got to give him starts. Like you, you've just got to let this kid play football. Jordan Love at times just seems like he still needs just those time with the receivers, time with that offensive line and time to get all of the in intricacies and nuances of just playing the game when you're just playing it every single day back into his body. Cause at times it just looks they're off. They're disconnected. And that's just because simply he hasn't played enough football yet with these guys. It's young with his skill positions when they're on, they're on. And Jordan love to me is Dak Prescott. I mean, he looks like rookie year, Dak Prescott mobile can make every throw, but you'd rather him stick to everything like 30 yards in and in and is real is elusive in the pocket and is and is a, a pretty smart ball decision maker and really really efficient out of the play action when his run game is good when the run game's strong with the packers everything else looks easier for jordan love he is to me dak prescott prescott 2.0 one of the biggest things for jordan love will be 
can he continue his mobility longer than Dak has? Because the injuries piled up for Dak, and now Dak is pretty much immobile at this point in time. And that is what's really hurt him overall. For the Lions, my quick point on it, Dan, and I'll turn it over to you, is to me, I know they lost to Seattle at home, but the Seattle loss at home doesn't really bother me because it was a close game to the end, and eventually, and their defense just had a really bad day. Like, And that happens in the modern NFL, the way rules are. You're going to lose a game or two a year because it's like, Phew. I mean, we just couldn't stop anyone today. And doing right. it against a really good Seattle offense is not to be ashamed about. But this, this Detroit Lions team is built to win against the best of the best in the NFC. They have the offensive line to handle the pass rush from San Francisco and Philadelphia. And they have a defense that is starting to show enough of a te- uh, enough teeth with Hutchison really evolving in year two, McNeil and the interior of that uh, defensive line to where Detroit absolutely should be thought of as, in my opinion, one of the top three teams in the NFC right now, as far as win- capable of winning the NFC. I'm not worried about Detroit Detroit Lions offensive line against that Philadelphia and that and that San Francisco pass rush, especially because of their schedule seems a little easier. If they can get home field advantage, I mean that you know Ford Field will be rocking as soon as the Lions host a playoff game. That's going to be a tough place to play in a in a uh, playoff game for a team on the road. The Lions, to me, they're built to compete against the top of the NFC. No other roster in the NFL in the NFC is like that right now. And that's got to feel good if you're a Lions fan. They're built to win in a lot of different ways. And that's the makings of a really solid all around team. That's going to make a push for the playoffs at the end of the season. I think that's what we think the Detroit Lions uh, are going to be. And and we're going to be before the season even got going. You know, last year, what took the NFL by storm in many ways was how this passing offense and aerial attack performed. And, We haven't really seen it so much uh, this year. Uh, We've seen the utility of rookie tight end Sam Laporta, and obviously Amon Ross St. Brown has had his moments. But they haven't nearly uh, lit the league up uh, through the air like they did last year. And yet they're still winning games. is about to come back. And and Jamison Williams is on the brink of of returning. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if they actually put him out there on the field. I'm sure he'll see some snaps this week. Uh, as they get him, you know, ramped up and acclimated uh, to play. Uh, but yeah, the the NFL waiving or shortening his suspension now to just those three uh, first four games, I should say, instead of six. So he will uh, likely be returning here in week five. And yeah, I mean, they're going to get a boost. Obviously, they're getting better, uh, but they are they're showing that they, when the offense uh, isn't performing in the way that maybe they uh, were planning on initially, they're still able to lean in that run game yeah. with David Montgomery without having their top 10 overall pick even producing in the way that many thought he would in Jameer Gibbs early on in the season. He's kind of been a little bit of an afterthought uh, in that offense, whereas David Montgomery has been great. And uh, they're saying we could beat you in a lot of different ways. We can play that physical game now. I mean, I think last year they were uh, starting to show that that identity was forming, but they didn't necessarily maybe have the personnel to completely yeah. out physical everybody. This year seems to be a little bit differently. And yeah, for the Packers, I agree with you. It's more it's more about their scheme. And if, if the scheme's not working, then it's going to be a rough day, uh, you know, a, a, on the field for Jordan Love and company. He has to have a lot of things working in his favor uh, to perform well. And that's not even a knock against Jordan Love. He's just hasn't seen much playing time. So, you know, by the end of the year, we'll see how he's performing uh, in adverse circumstances. And that will give us a much better idea of 
what to make of Jordan Love moving forward. But for right now, it seems to be the case. A lot of things got to be working, but 27 yards rushing, not going to get it done for most teams in the NFL, especially when you have a young quarterback who hasn't seen much playing time. Uh, We'll go across the pond now to the first London game of the season, the Falcons on the road at Jacksonville, where we saw that alternate Toy Story game broadcast on top of it. Jags, of course, no stranger to games in London. They're practically a home team over there, and this was considered a home game for Jacksonville. They knocked the socks off the Falcons despite it being a relatively overall low-scoring game. Jaguars win 23-7. to uh, Jacksonville, obviously, still a lot of work to be done with this offense, I think, but a nice bounce back, Mark, from what we saw last week against the Texans where nothing was working at all. And then, of course, a pick six for the Jaguars uh, kind of helped put the icing on the cake for them as Desmond Ritter with an INT on back-to-back throws in this game. Uh, by the way, there's the first pick six in London since 2016, which makes you realize, wow, they've been playing in London for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, the Falcons... Uh, Not sounding super confident on Desmond Ritter moving forward, but he is the guy. They don't really have many alternatives. Of course, they could turn to Taylor Heineke, but he's not long-term solution. So they're going to ride it out with Ritter, see what they have. So far, it's been, uh, at best, a mixed bag, uh, but really, you know, not much, um, you know, in the way of uh, confidence building from his performance so far. So really, Jacksonville, you know, getting back on the tracks. This is what you wanted to see from them. Atlanta, if they're not able to put up 200 rushing yards on the ground, are they really that effective? We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, great win for Jacksonville. They took care of business in London at home. For the Falcons, the biggest thing is Ritter. He he is the type of person in the first two weeks when they're 2-0, they designed an offense to where his ceiling is really low, but his floor was really high, right? It was easy completions, no turnovers. Well, now his ceiling is not high and his floor is just bottomed out. And you're turning the ball over. And if you're Desmond Ritter and you're trying to keep this job or earn this job, you have got to make sure you don't become that guy who just becomes a turnover machine. Because that is the easiest way for a team to go, oh, well, no, can't work, can't play. The rest of Atlanta's roster is really solid. But I think overall, you you saw their flaws compared to a Jacksonville team that is just a more well-rounded football team. Trevor Lawrence using his legs more. I love seeing that. I'd like to see more of that from Trevor Lawrence. Um, at times just you become an athlete and be an athlete when you help, you know, win your team games and, um, Jacksonville stays in London. They have the advantage as the bills come to town next week. That'll be a kind of a big must watch game next week. Yeah. A two week, uh, turnaround for them getting to, getting to hang out and have that vacation over in London for a little bit longer an extended stay, uh, as we wait for Jacksonville to just make the official move to London at this point. But yeah, totally agree. Uh, Not much more to say there. Just got to keep getting this offense on the right track. We know that the pieces are there. They're so close, it seems. They're on the cusp of a lot of big plays, uh, just about putting it all together. But a nice comeback game for Calvin Ridley after a couple down weeks. And, uh, you know, ETN and company looking good as well. Uh, Moving on to the Dolphins at the Bills after the Dolphins set all sorts of records against the uh, you know, lowly Denver Broncos by putting up 70 points on them. The Dolphins fall back to earth as the Bills continue to score soar with a 38 to 20 win over their AFC East rival. Buffalo now three and one in first place after a brutal season opener shows you how much can change in a week or in this case three. Josh Allen, four touchdown passes. 
And the Finns uh, showed up to this game, Mark, with the question emoji on their shirts uh, because they were underdogs in this game. And they're wondering, how the heck are we underdogs after putting up 70 points last week? Well, the Bills certainly had fun with that, celebrating with the uh, the question emoji themselves in the end zone quite a few times in this one. Uh, an unfortunate injury for Buffalo. Tredavious White carted off with an yeah. Achilles injury. Huge blow to that defense. They're going to be without him the rest of the way here, but they still rallied. We're able to hold this high-flying Dolphins offense to just 20 points. And as we mentioned, Josh Allen, four touchdown passes. Stephon Diggs with an incredible, crazy touchdown in oh. which the Dolphins just appear to be like, oh, we're not going to tackle it all in this one. Uh, they they must have thought that the play was called dead, uh, but he gets out of it, runs uh, for a touchdown there. Just a lot of craziness, but the the Bills showing they have officially arrived in our in midseason form while the Dolphins may be given a little bit of piece of humble pie uh, here as the first quarter of the season comes to a close. Yeah, you still got to feel great if you're a Dolphins fan. Losing to a division opponent on the road in in that way, you'd like to have played better. You'd like to have your defense showed up a little bit and, and been a little stingier and not given up the 48. Uh, but let's be honest, the Bills can do this to people. The Bills, I think, are still going to deal with that stench because everyone was watching that Monday night football game. But I said it after that game. I wasn't worried about the Bills at all. They, uh, the Tredavis White injury stinks, and it's and we'll see how it affects them over the next couple of weeks, especially with that big game in Jacksonville in London next week. But Josh Allen has been playing lights out football in the last three weeks. He is the hottest football player on the planet right now, and I think they're flying under the radar even after this win a little bit because of some of the other storylines of this weekend. And it's got to feel good if you're a Bills fan. Let's go back to being not counted out a little bit and flying under the radar uh, and and just marching your way whole home to three and one uh, with some uh, with a big divisional win uh, against uh, your your rivals in the Dolphins. Um, as far as the Dolphins go, I wouldn't panic, wouldn't panic, but I do think there was a little bit of a formula for what the Bills defense did to to Miami in slowing them down. You just you have to keep everyone in front of you. And, you, and you're going to give up one big play a game, that's fine. But it can't then leak and all of a sudden become two or three big plays. If you can be physical, keep them in front of you. The Bills defense has that ability. And yes, they lost Tredavious White, but the Bills are getting better. Von Miller should be back within the next couple of weeks. This Bills team uh, could be hitting a stride at the right time. Uh, let's, uh, let's not uh, count out the Dolphins. Let's not panic. But, you know, it, it was certainly a come-back-to-earth type of game for Miami. And uh, they'll be fine. They're a well-coached team. They have a ton of talent. Uh, no shame in losing uh, in this way to a really good Bills team on the road. Uh, you just got to make sure you get them when they come down to you know, Miami in a couple months. Yeah, I, that's, you know, it, it could be a very good thing for the Dolphins in the long run, right? When you get not just, uh, you know, smacked in the mouth after such a high, you know, reverting back to a, a little bit of a low, uh, and, and against a, a rival and in-division opponent at that uh, could really, you know, maybe set them on the course a little bit to uh, to come back to uh, reaching that that, you know, more, you know, baseline talent level that, we, that we've come to see, not expecting 70 point outings each week, but not going to expect yeah. 20 point outings very many weeks either. So uh, both these teams uh, s seem to be playoff bound uh, right now. Uh, you know, obviously, it's just the first quarter of the season, but my pick to have the Buffalo Bills missing the playoffs seems to be 
uh, absolutely atrocious. And and they they look right now. They I mean they're in first place. Uh, they appear to be heading in that direction for uh, hosting a playoff game, let alone just making it uh, in this kind of riddled AFC yeah. right now. I will say that was the big game that everyone was keeping their eye on this weekend. And it was a little bit of a bummer because it felt pretty early on. Like, all right, we know the Dolphins can score and they can score quickly. So they're never out of it. But it just felt like Josh Allen was on all cylinders and the Miami defense had no answer for them. And so, you know, really when you're a Buffalo team and your offense is humming like that, if your defense can give you two or three good stops, which they did, they blew the game open and then the Dolphins got away from their run game and it just kind of spiraled quickly for the Dolphins. Um, their run game is so important to their big plays. Falling behind is going to be a, a thing to watch out for this Dolphins team now because you can't get away from the run because the run opens up the giant pass plays and it felt like they had to get away from it a little bit because they were down so much and then it kept spiraling. So they'll learn from it if they're well coached and I think they are. Uh, but the the big game everyone was kind of excited for turned out to be a little bit of a dud by the by halftime. Yes, very true. Well, the Bears have victory in their hands, and then they see uh, defeat slowly yeah. and slowly approach. Seated. Uh, it was by seated. way of the Denver Broncos, we get to that heartbreaker next. Are you looking for the largest slice in the Quad Cities? The right spot is Lopez Pizza. It's better than a hot dog and a handshake. They have two great locations, Uptown on Brady for your delivery and catering needs, and Downtown at 429 East 3rd Street in Davenport for the full experience. Low Pies is family-owned and family-friendly. Into wrestling like us, you can catch shows every day and twice on Sunday at their downtown location. Who knows, you may run into a local wrestler or a local podcaster or two while you're there. Stop by each month for a different featured slice by various artists. Low Pies Pizza a proud sponsor of the Card Subject to Change podcast on the For Frequency Sake podcast network. Appreciate all the sponsors we have here on the podcast network. And I can attest, Lopi's very good pizza when I lived out there in the Quad Cities. So go check it out if you are in the area. Moving on to this absolutely disgusting display of football, especially in the fourth quarter, Mark. I'm not going to go off too much on this one, as I know you have a lot to say on the Chicago Bears. The Broncos winning 31-28 to over the Bears after Chicago played three fantastic quarters of football. Justin Fields with a career day, yeah. 335 yards passing through the air and four touchdowns. Very bad fumble late, recovered for a touchdown, tied it up at 28. That hurt. Bears have an opportunity to take the lead on a field goal at fourth and one at the 18 uh, they don't convert, and the Broncos go on to win this one by a score of 31-28. to 28. Yeah, I think to me the biggest thing, if you look at the game overall, I think the biggest thing is the storyline is your, your defensive head coach is once again calling the defense. Your offense gives you a 21-point lead, and your defense um, gives up you know, two easy scores, long drive. You know, you, I get it. Okay. One of the, one of the scores was on the offense with the fumble that happens and that's bad. And, and that you have to look at the offensive coordinator. A lot of people were Justin, Justin Fields has a fumble problem. That to me is not one of those. Like he, as soon as he turned, he had nothing to do. I mean, his arm was already in motion. He didn't even, it was supposed to be turn throw and he was following direction. I mean, 
It's bad. It's bad. But again, the story is even even with that, your defensive head coach, 20, 31 points, 14 straight losses. I mean, I'm not saying anything that no one else who follows and loves this Bears team feels. I, you know, our guy Mark's Mar- Max Markham, who we had on the show, is a big you know Bears fan, and all over Twitter, he's great. He posted the question: "Hey, like, would you rather have Justin Fields or or uh, you know Caleb Williams?" I'm like, at this point, there are so many other things I need answered before I can answer that question, because if if Matt get if Matt Eberflus and Luke Getz are still there, there's no point in taking Caleb Williams. There's no point. Yeah, exactly. It's- there's just no point. Environment this is, matters. This is the worst coach football team in the NFL. Uh, and this this loss shows it because Luke Getzey's to blame for some of the play calling on the fourth and one. They got really conservative. Justin Fields was playing great football. Keep the foot down, keep the pedal down. And he didn't. He he got off of it with his play calling. It, it's really bad. That's coaching malpractice for your quarterback and your offense 101. Wouldn't it be nice for the Bears to have David Montgomery? Listen, Khalil Herbert's a nice back, and Roshan Johnson has shown some real spark. But again, you had David Montgomery in your building. You you didn't keep him. Ryan Poles, this was a, an interesting, like, bad weekend for Ryan Poles, too. I've been a Ryan Poles defender, but this is one of those bad weekends for Ryan Poles, and, like, Roquan Smith is, pl- is balling out. David Montgomery is balling out. You traded for Chase Claypool. He's not with the team. He's not going to be with the team. Now you're trying to trade him again. That's on you. You made that decision. And um, you you overall, yes, you didn't you didn't hire Matt Eberflus. He didn't. It the the choice was was made for him. And maybe that's why Poles feels comfortable because right now he's like, listen, maybe Poles knows from Kevin Warren, the president of the like, listen, you're fine. You're gonna be okay. But there's no point in firing a coach midseason. Where did this go? All I know is what's so frustrating for us as Bears fans is that offensive performance and the way those play calls were drawn up in the first three quarters. This Bears team is capable of that. That's why there was so much hype for this Bears team going into the year. Because of DJ Moore. Because of Cole Komet's improvement. Robert Tunyon. We had a Robert Tunyon sighting. Like, oh my God, Robert Tunyon's on this team. I heard about it all offseason. We finally played. The offensive line has gotten better. Tevin Jenkins is coming back. Justin Fields should be progressing in that way. So all of that is in this team. It's in these players. But it's up to the coaching, the play calling, to get it out of them. And then when you need your coaching staff to like, okay, guys, it's getting a little tight, 28-14, and we need to, we need to just put a drive together. We need to end this game. Your offense was bad play calling, conservative play calling, and your defensive head coach couldn't get any stops, any stops. Tremaine Edmonds has not been the player that we signed him to be. Again, that's on Ryan Poles, especially when you look at uh, how great uh, Roquan Smith is playing. So my thoughts haven't changed after this loss. I still think this is the worst coach football team in the league overall. You could argue that Matt Canada is maybe the worst offensive coordinator. Him and Luke Getze are certainly are battling for that title. We'll Can get you to your them Steelers. working together. Yeah, steal your Steelers in a bit. Um, but overall, for the Broncos, I mean, they took advantage of the Bears. Like, I mean, that's Sean Payton. You know, you know him and his his staff is much smarter. As soon as the Bears started getting conservative and tightening up, they pounced on it, and good for them. 
they sense that this team is not comfortable where they're at and we can take advantage of it, and they did. And that is what a well-coached team with less talent and some and some unfortunate things to start the season for the Broncos does to a really poor coach team. Overall, if you watch that game, the Bears have more talent than the Broncos. But in the end, it came down to the fourth quarter. One team is really poorly coached and didn't know how to handle the moment, and the other team has a a, a you know a Super Bowl winning coach who's been there, done that, and made and his team jumped on a team that got tight and panicked. Um, it, it was a really, really tough, tough loss to watch, a uh, tough loss to swallow. And again, it, I'm not going to start talking about draft stuff yet because we'll have all season do it. But at this point in time, Justin Fields is fighting for his job in the NFL. Last game, that game was a good step in the right direction for Justin Fields showing he belongs in this NFL. He really does. Um, if he gets the proper coaching and proper teams around him, the kid could be a real player in this league for a couple of years to come. Uh, unlike maybe a you know a, a Trubisky or some other talent that we've seen of, of first rounders recently, Mac Jones who looked really bad, Zach Wilson who's had a really really tough year, Trey Lance who's no longer existent. Like Fields is capable, he really is, and he's capable of being a star. And that's what's so maddening for me as a fan is that it's there and it's coaching malpractice right now. When the time came when you were watching it live. Were you of the mindset that they should have kicked the field goal or did you want them to go for it? Were you cool with that? It was just the play call that was called that that made you more mad than anything else. Okay, so you're 0-3 at that point in time. The play calling was maddening. I'm I'm pro at that point in time. You're a team that struggles to score points. Get the points. Because in that moment, it adds just another drive for the Broncos to have to put points on the board, right? And, and if you're going to go for it, which I would have kicked the field goal, because again, with this team in this situation, hey, you're a young quarterback, you got points, you got more points, like, let's keep it going. The Bears, I think, are third most in the NFL for drives, either ending in turnovers or punts. I mean, it's brutal. So get points if you can get points. And um, But if you're going to go for it, yeah, again, it's conservative, bad, bad play calling. I mean, in, in the shotgun with Khalil Herbert, uh, not going tush push, not doing anything um, more than what than that play. It's just bad. Or just put in Justin Fields' hands and let him be. He's your best athlete. He's your best playmaker. Let him let him go get it. So I would have taken the points, and that's not hindsight twenty twenty because even then it would have been a tie game, right? But uh, right. it's more about this is an offense that struggles to score points, struggles to end drives with with points. So if you have a chance to take points, that was a gimme field goal. You go for it. I get it. Maybe they're thinking kill shot, but then I want your best play, not shotgun handoff to Cleo Herbert. Yeah, that was, that was a, a pretty poor play to choose at that point in the game. No question about it. All right, the Ravens go on the road to the Browns and put a hurting on Cleveland. The NFL's number one defense in almost every category certainly didn't look like, like, like it Lama. here. The Ravens win. Uh, big in this Mark one. Andrews and is a player. <laughs> he showed up. Mark Andrews, two touchdowns in this one. 28 to three victory for the Ravens here. Lamar Jackson, four total touchdowns. Of course, no Deshaun Watson in this game for Cleveland. He warmed up before the game. They decided his shoulder wasn't ready yet. 
and uh, weren't comfortable with it. They got a bye coming up here next week. So they held him out, and it was Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie, making his NFL debut. It was anything but spectacular. Three interceptions for him. And uh, Miles Garrett not gets the this one as well. Not the preseason at all. Uh, but Miles Garrett should be good to go after the bye as well. So overall, uh, a rough showing for the Browns, but this is kind of what we've seen from them so far this season where uh, you know their defense is, has carried them a, a lot similar to how the Steelers have looked, where the offense just hasn't uh, been in sync. Uh, but they've got players, and you know this is just one of those divisional games that they really wanted to have, and now they're 2-2 two and two with two of their losses being in the AFC North. That's a tough spot to be for Cleveland, despite overall being at 500 at this point. Uh, you know, having those two losses be against uh, your bitter rivals uh, doesn't put you in a good position to start. Meanwhile, the Ravens are already establishing themselves, Mark, as, uh, you know, the, the class to follow in the North. They are currently at the top now three and one on the season and looking like they're getting better and better each week with this uh, new Todd Munkin offense, Lamar Jackson, starting to fire on all cylinders yeah. and they are looking dangerous. Huge take care business game for Baltimore. Um, I put, I, I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted it out. Um, I think it was Saturday or Sunday, um, uh, definitely before kickoff started, but my parlay of the week. And I tagged you in it. Cause I had the Texans over the Steelers. Yeah, I had the Ravens move. over the Browns. I predicted that Ravens over the Browns before Deshaun Watson was out. I felt good about the Ravens in this game. Anyways, just because it's the Ravens. They take care of business within division, especially against Cincinnati and Cleveland. Um, but yeah, as soon as Deshaun Watson was out, you're like, okay, this game is a throwaway for Cleveland. You go into the buy, you try to you make sure you have an early buy, so you want to make sure you take advantage of that in the way of we need everyone to be healthy because we have no more breaks late in the season. Um, so take care of business game. He found Mark Andrews. That's great. Build that connection going, build that momentum. Ravens look like they could be a real, real threat, especially with the way the rest of the NFC North, the AFC North, excuse me, is playing out right now. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, you you got to win the games you're supposed to win. That's all you can do. And they the did. Ravens uh, did it, and uh, they are moving on. Another AFC North team is not so much part of no. the uh, one one of the uh, premier uh, featured individuals on our thumbnail for this show uh, is is Mr. Joe Burrow. Uh, Joey B. Really rough outing yet again for Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals as they fall to the Tennessee Titans. 27 to three yet again, Cincinnati unable to put up points uh, in the end zone, at least. Meanwhile, Mark, seven teams this week didn't score a touchdown. It was a very uh, interesting display of, uh, you know, defensive performances contrasting yeah. with the, some poor offenses. Uh, this game was a lot about Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill obviously played uh, very well himself, but Derrick Henry uh, rushing touchdown looking a lot more like the Henry of years past uh threw a touchdown though in this one as well as the titans score 27 unanswered points to win decisively burrow clearly not himself in this one that that calf is continuing to linger and most of the you know doctors that uh, speak about this on television said that this was going to be the case this is not something that's going to go away it's going to be following him for most yeah. if not all of the season it's looking that way no touchdowns for him, obviously, and a fumble to boot. They are now one and three on the season and the basement of the AFC North. I mean, it it's hard to say what has gone wrong for the Bengals um, other than it's just the Burrow injury. I can't think of anything, any other reason for why 
they are this poorly, um, you know, uh, put together uh, early on in the season, but that is the case. And and they are now one and three. Yeah. They, they need to either a come out and say, we're shutting Joe Burrow down for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, or they need to come out and they, and for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff, you need to start devising a a game plan like Baker Mayfield, your quarterback. Like you need to go back to the drawing board and you need to rework this offense because you have a solid defense, but you're like, oh, I gave up 27 points to the Titans. Their offense can't stay on the field. They can't put drives together. They can't score. So a solid defense is going to look like a bad defense when your offense plays that poorly. If you have an all world, you know, uh, you know, 85 bears defense, yeah, just go out there and let the let the offense struggle and the and the defense will will win you games. That's not what the Bengals have. So Zach Taylor has got to take control of this situation, and he's got to either a sit Burrow for a couple weeks and just say we're doing it, we got to do it. The kid's not healthy, and all we're doing is hurting ourselves right now. Or you have got to come out and you got to build a real game plan around Joe Mixon. And and the rest of those weapons and getting the ball out in different ways and and just come out and try something different because their schedule is tough. It's not getting any easier and they don't look good right now. For the Titans, again, take advantage of the situation. You're at home and you're and you're and you're you smell blood in the water with Joe Burrow. Titans are just hanging around. They're hanging around. They get blown out last week. They blow out this week. They're hanging around. They're hanging around, and you know the AFC South is not nearly as a, a runaway with the Jacksonville no. Jaguars as we thought it would be. So hey, the Titans are are, are trying to take advantage of that and, and putting themselves in in the best position possible to compete for that division crown come the end of the season. Uh, first overtime game of the slate: the Rams go on the road to Indianapolis and win in overtime, twenty nine to twenty three. In an interesting game, uh, the Rams had a 23-point lead at one point, but watched it dwindle away as Anthony Richardson uh, helped lead the Colts back in the second half, and the Colts eventually did tie it. Matt Stafford ended up getting hurt in this game, but came back, battled throughout, and willed his team to victory with a Puka Nakua touchdown uh, in overtime. Nakua, by the way, the rookie, now has 39 catches for 501 yards in his first four career games. Stafford's That's the most in NFL history it's in both of those categories. And uh, yeah, the Rams finding ways to win uh, despite being you know put in in obstacles and and less than ideal situations. With obviously the Cooper Cup injury lasting longer, uh, you know, into the season and and now where we haven't seen him so far this year, but. Um, you know, Matt Stafford and company finding a way to get it done. And they do here. Rams win at 29-23. And they are now 500 on the season, a point where we did not think, at least I did not think they would be this early on. Uh, but they're they're getting it done, Mark. I did. It is part of my parlay. If you saw it on Twitter, yeah. and part of my four-game parlay that called them the winners here. I got very nervous as the game got tied up. I was like, oh, this is going to blow it for me. But I'll say this. You know, this Rams team is really young. And these are big moments for this Rams team. Again, I'm not saying the Rams are going to make the Super Bowl. I just predict, I said the Rams will find a way in that way. I think I predict them to win their division. And I'm, right now, the, the Niners are just looking still much better than I thought they were. Uh, but overall, what I thought I was getting from this Rams team is so far what I've seen is a young team that is no expectations. And it's good coaching overall. They're, they don't have enough talent, so they're going to lose some games. They're going to drop some leads. They're going to get blown out every once in a while. 
But this team with Matt Stafford and and that that defensive line, they can put pressure on people, and Stafford is a, is a warrior. For the Colts, on the other hand, listen, you saw what you wanted to see. Richardson at times looked really, really terrific. Still think they need to simplify some things for him, get him a couple more easy completions, get that completion percentage up, get the flow of the offense going. But overall, the dude is an absolute freak of an, a freak of nature, and he can do stuff that you don't see often from guys who aren't Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields sometimes at the field. And uh, we're seeing it more and more. I mean, more of these guys are coming into the NFL. Richardson's the next example of that. Uh, so it's a feast or famine type thing. And he was feasting late in the game. Uh, just couldn't make the drive when he needed to at the end. Rams are scrappy, man. And, uh, you know, I I got to give kudos to Stafford because I, I just underestimated uh, his health. And, uh, you know, I always knew he was one of the toughest players I'd ever seen play. I just didn't know that there was... Um, an ability to overcome all of the things that are stacked up against him at, at age 35 with the elbow. He's looking good. And, uh, you know, even after getting banged up was able to come back and lead them to victory. So big win there for the Rams. And, uh, they, they have their sights set on bigger things this year, uh, than just trying to, to compete They're They're trying to put themselves in a position uh, to get to the playoffs, despite everything stacked against them. Uh, moving forward to the Buccaneers, this for Shocked sure is a team one. that I know surprised both of us. Shocked by uh, this to one. Find themselves at three and one on the season. They win 26 to nine over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Derek Carr making his return from injury, uh, but clearly still a little bit banged up. Uh, but Baker Mayfield was the much better quarterback in this game, throwing three touchdown passes, very much outplaying Derek Carr in this game. The Bucs are in first place. In the NFC South now at three and one, and despite Alvin Kamara's return from suspension, uh, the Saints' offense was really bad. Uh, Kamara, by the way, had 13 catches. That was uh, you don't see a running oh, back know. with 13 catches. He's on my fantasy often. team. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so that that alone uh, got you uh, a victory, I'm sure. But uh, Carr missed Crystal Lave twice in the same drive, once yeah. in the end zone on a big right. play. Just, just did, did not look right. And uh, when you're playing divisional games or any game for that matter, you can't miss on must-have touchdowns. And so that one, uh, you know, proved to be maybe not the nail in the coffin, but certainly something that set them back. And and the Bucks just just getting it done and showing that uh, while they are a much older roster than most in the NFL, uh, they have enough exuberance and health uh, to be able to get it done. And, and Baker Mayfield, uh, credit to him looking very polished and poised so far through four games in a Buccaneers uniform. Yeah. Todd Bowles deserves a lot of credit overall. I mean, I, I did not believe in Todd Bowles going into the year. I did not believe in Baker Mayfield and they're both proving us wrong through, uh, you know, almost a quarter of the season. I will say still early, still a lot that can happen with this Bucks team. Uh, but right now they are absolutely the most consistent, best performing, healthiest team in the NFC South right now. And so that's saying something. If you get, you can punch your ticket to the dance. Overall, disappointed from the Saints defense. I think they should have just sat Derek Carr, but I think he's worried. I mean, when you have the best backup in the league with Jameis behind you, and there's people who argue there's not much of a difference between Jameis and Derek, you don't want to give up that certain job, but you look, I mean, a performance like he had, doesn't help him at all. It just does not help him at all. So Saints need to regroup a little bit and they need to make sure Carr is 100% healthy. If he is, he's the better option for them to go with. But right now, everyone's looking up at the Bucks, and that is credit to Bowles, 
Credit to the weapons, Mike Evans, Godwin, for all those guys staying checked in and not checking out of this season and of this team. And Baker Mayfield playing really solid football. He got a pissed off uh, New England Patriots team on deck do the New Orleans Saints. And then yeah. they follow that up with a overperforming uh, Texans team that's, you know, uh, running, uh, you know, with basically playing with house money. Yeah, uh, so, great way to say it. You know, New Orleans really needs to uh, find a way uh, to, to to get back in that win column soon because the Buccaneers at three and one, if in two weeks they're five and one and you're the the Saints and you're three and two or or two and four, uh, you're going to put a, a real big hole a, a, that you're going to have to dig yourself out of very early on in this one. All right, we get to the second and final overtime game of the week. After this, transform your body into a canvas of exquisite storytelling and profound self-expression with the skilled hands of Ryan Allison. Craft custom masterpieces that tell your unique story together. Ryan specializes in color tattoos as well as black and gray. He also practices a diverse range of styles. Whether you're passionate about anime, fantasy, mythology, pop culture, video games, movies, the esoteric, nature, creatures, dot work, black work, or you have your own ideas, Ryan embraces your distinct vision with an unwavering commitment to passion, precision, and originality. Each project he undertakes is a labor of dedication, a fusion of research, artistic ingenuity, and profound symbolism. His commitment to authenticity is nothing short of remarkable, infusing his very soul into every creation. From half and full sleeves to body suits, awesome back pieces, to majestic front panels, Ryan is the artist for anyone seeking powerful, breathtaking artwork. With every stroke of his needle, he weaves a tale that's as unique as you are. Don't settle for ordinary tattoos when you can elevate your ink to the extraordinary with Ryan Allison. Embark on your creative journey by booking a consultation with him and proudly exhibit your story on your skin. Visit Ryan at Why Not Ink Studio in North Park Mall or check out his portfolio online at ryanallison.art. Ryan Allison Tattoos. When you choose me, you're not just getting a tattoo, you're getting an experience. All right, so the Commanders go on the road in division and take on the Philadelphia Eagles, and Philly barely escapes with a victory in OT as they let the Commanders come back late in this game. It was tied in the final two minutes. Jalen Hurts hits A.J. Brown to go up. 31-24 with a minute 28 to go, but too much time for Sam Howell and company. And on top of it, A.J. Brown uh, had a taunting penalty on the touchdown. So that gave Howell and company uh, that Short much uh, shorter of a field that they had to work with to get that touchdown. He tosses the touchdown to Dotson as time expired. They did not go for two. A lot of people wanted Ron Rivera to just try and win the game there, but he settles to go to OT and Hertz ends up converting a fourth down in overtime and sets up a game-winning field goal from Jake Elliott. The rest is history. The Eagles continue to find a way to win, even when either their offense isn't performing up to standard or their defense gives up a late touchdown. That's the makings of a great NFL football team, Mark, is when you're able to just find a way. We talked about with the Lions earlier. They're just they're they're winning in multiple different ways. The Eagles are doing the same here, and it's scarier now. Because Philadelphia is looking like their offense is finally starting to put things together and get back to the high-scoring uh, type of uh, potential that we saw in 2022 that got them to the Super Bowl. So 
Big win for the Eagles. Meanwhile, I continue to be impressed with the Commanders. I mean, yeah. I, I predicted them to win seven games this year and consider them to be a tough out. But the way they're playing, I mean, they, they could be an eight-win team or even push for nine wins the way that the Giants are playing in division. I mean, the Commanders really have an opportunity here uh, to, to develop Sam Howell and show that they're a team on the rise rather than a team that's just kind of biding their time until 2024. Yeah, I think the commanders need to do a better job of developing a real run game to help Sam Howell, a, a more consistent run game. Yeah, because Brian Robinson's really good. <laughs> he is, he is, and yeah. he's only getting 14 carries. I just don't yeah. think that's enough when you have a second-year quarterback who's very inexperienced. Similar with, with Philadelphia, I thought they got away from what I praised them on so hard last Thursday, which was their run game and their identity they created. I think they just kind of got away from it. But listen, they found a way. This is the definition of a win to win. In division, finding a way to win overtime, a moral victory for Washington, but a legit victory for Philly. And is uh, right now, I feel very confident that the NFC will go through Philadelphia in, in with home field again. And we saw that was such a difference maker for them last year. And so right now, for if you're the if you're, you know, the Lions, the Cowboys, the 49ers, you have got, you've got to, got to, got to take home field away from the Eagles because they play, they just play different in, in Philadelphia at the link. And, uh, and so, um, listen, Jalen Hurts, him and AJ Brown have found a real connection the last two games. They are, he, AJ Brown is, is, is a freak. They got to get him under control a little, a little bit emotionally because the penalty absolutely made it much easier for them to go to overtime. It should the game should not have been overtime. It should have been just a game winning drive from uh, from Jalen Hurts. But uh, that's on your that's on your wide receiver, and hopefully your coaching staff can. Hey, we love your passion. We love feeding you, but that's got to go. Like that 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 can't happen. Um, I'm not worried about Philadelphia at all. I'm you know I've been in on Philadelphia since day one. I think. Um, I think they are still deservedly so that's going to be the top of my power rankings when I put out my video tomorrow. Yep, they are winning in all facets of the game, and uh, that that defensive line is once again uh, a force to be reckoned with. And, and Jalen Hurts uh, finding his uh, mojo, and and they're getting their stride going. So can I just say going to continue to be dangerous for Thursday night football? Bears at Commanders. I think. Yeah. Sam Howell and Justin Fields are like two of the top three most sacked quarterbacks and most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you love sacks, Thursday night's going to be great for you. There you go. I mean, they may put Justin Fields out there on the edge just so he can feel motivated to to sack Sam Howell, to, yeah. to let, let Sam Howell be the one who wins that uh, you know sack uh, showdown for sure. All right, well, the Vikings go on the road at the Panthers and uh, Minnesota. Hey, we won a, a one score game for, for the Vikings here. 21 to 13. Turn the tide. Carolina. That's right. Uh, two Justin Jefferson touchdowns in this one and a, uh, a very timely strip sack of Bryce young by Harrison Smith. Uh, DJ Wanham picks it up and returns at 51 yards for a fumble recovery touchdown late in the third quarter. That gives them the lead. They don't look back. Harrison Smith with three sacks in this game, by the way, uh, her cousins through two interceptions uh, overcomes it. They get the win. But again, it was one of those things where I don't think either of us are st convinced uh, by, by the Vikings barely beating the Carolina Panthers. Meanwhile, you know, Bryce Young and company still showing just a lot of growing pains with this Carolina offense. It, it once again boils back to or boils down to 
there's just not many weapons on this team overall. You have to win games very strategically and in very low-scoring affairs, and uh, 13 points wasn't going to cut it this week for the Panthers and won't cut it most weeks, if any, this season. I truly feel the Bears, the only team they're better than is the Carolina Panthers. And the only reason they would win that game is because they do have more talent. I do think the Carolina Panthers are better coaches. I mentioned, I'll mention again, the Bears are the worst coach team in football. But Carolina, I mean, there's just no, the cupboards are bare. And even where they do have weapons with like Miles Sanders, uh, Chuba Hubbard, like they just aren't creative enough in getting them the football or just feeding them the football Bryce Young's getting destroyed in the backfield. Now, he looks so small, and I will just say this. I, I truly think Bryce Young can be just in good, just as good in this league as Tua Tungavailoa. Like, he absolutely can. The problem will be, can Carolina develop an offense like Miami's developed for Tua with a great offensive line and the world's fastest football players? I don't think I, I don't know. That's gonna be that's what they're gonna have to do. And so they gotta start working on that ASAP. They really do. For for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, this is you you don't overanalyze it. A win is a bleep and win. They needed one really, really badly. Take it. It was on the road. Move on and just keep grinding because this Vikings team can show some real flashes and they've been in a lot of their games losing the losing one score games. So take it as a positive. Don't overanalyze this win and be mad. Even in a win to throw out the, the interceptions, move on. Kirk cousins only had to throw the ball 19 times. That is a solid recipe. Uh, if you actually can get Madison going, which they did for the Vikings to just take care of business, their defense only gave up 13 points. Be okay with that. And uh, don't overanalyze it. Move on. Yeah, a big uh, win for the Vikings to avoid going 0-4 on the season. Meanwhile, the Panthers remain winless. And so far, the Bears are rejoicing as they may have the first and second overall picks in the 2024 NFL draft. We the will. way things are going right now. And hey, uh, there are worse things to have for sure moving forward. Matty right. There's Yes, there are worse things to have. You could have Matty <laughs> You could have... Oh, rough, rough. Uh, the Steelers go on the road to Houston in a game where, uh, you know, many, including myself, predicted uh, they would win. You had the correct take in that the Texans would uh, would cover and, and win this game. Uh, Steelers fall 30 to six in just a brutal fashion. Mark, I'm going to actually let you take this one to start because I do think C.J. Stroud deserves yeah. a lot of credit. And uh, I think the Texans overall uh, are surprising a lot of people and deserve the credit. And I think you'd be better to articulate that because I am just full of rage right now. And so uh, I, I'll let you yeah. kind of give them their flowers to start things off. So when we started, when the Texans started 0-2 and, and CJ Stroud was playing solid football, but remember he was throwing them like 40 plus times, 45 plus times. I think it was even close to like 50 times. They've done an incredible job of, of managing that load for their young quarterback. And he's still being really, really efficient. Um, 300 yards, two tutties. And what's great is they're developing Damian Pierce. They gave him the ball 24 times. They didn't let him get eaten alive by the Steelers defense. And that just goes to show you really good coaching. Like, again, kudos to the, to, to the young D'Amico Ryans and what him and his staff are doing down there. 
That's good coaching. You can, again, it's not about offensive, defensive coaches, right? D'Amico Ryan's defense played really, really well. But Nico Collins has showed up, the young the young receiver. I mean, they have they've found some weapons that Dell Kid has had some big weeks. He had a he had a, a quiet week last week, but CJ Stroud is really becoming yeah, I sit in a, a pocket quarterback who's just dissecting people and making every single throw. And on the other end of it, you see an offense that just has no identity. You see an offense for the Steelers that is just throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping something sticks. And it is brutal because they have Pickens. They have Najee Harris. You have uh, Kalen Austin. The, that kid has so much speed and so much potential. We saw it uh, in the win against uh, uh, the, the Raiders. So it is, a, it is just a disaster offensively for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And again, in the modern NFL, the Steelers defense is really good. But the modern NFL, you're going to give up some points some days, right? And it's going to be even easier for your team to give up points when your offense just cannot sustain drives at all. I mean, brutal, brutal showing for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. It was terrible. It was absolutely atrocious. And I'm going to get to the offense because that's obviously where the biggest issue lies with this team. No question about it. But I have to start off because you paid this defense $120 million. And the first drive of the game, the Houston Texans, coming into the season as the worst team in the league, ran the ball down your throats. It's embarrassing. That's embarrassing for any team, yeah. but especially for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are supposed to pride themselves on their physicality. Absolutely un uncalled for. You can't have it. Missed tackles, bad run defense. It, it just cannot happen. Is it fair to ask this defense to hold teams to 22 points a week? No, it's not, but that's the that's what you have built this team to do. So sorry, but there's no excuses that you just have to do it then. You have to stop teams uh, when you're supposed to. They were taking on an entire offensive line of backups and third strings. Literally, the, the, the Texans' entire offensive line was full of backups, and the Steelers didn't get a single sack. The Texans' offense had a perfect game plan, and Pittsburgh got completely out-schemed. That's an embarrassment for Mike Tomlin, and it's absolutely an embarrassment for Matt Canada and Terrell Austin, the two coordinators on this team. Now, getting getting to the offense because this is just it's it's over. This the significant change absolutely needs to be made. I tweeted this out. I I I hate calling for people's jobs. It's not something any of us enjoy doing. I love it. Because, it's my favorite thing. In the well, world. look, I mean, we understand though that these people have families and. Uh, they're they're trying to feed their family. I have and, a family. And, and, My and family's suffering because I'm in a bad mood. Exactly. Because That's very of true. Matt Eberflus. Look, Matt Canada um, absolutely is not a professional play caller. He's not a professional designer. It's over. The guy will find work again in college football. So I don't feel bad about saying that it's time to uh, split ways. It's it's done. And I don't care if there's no. A backup plan and succession here in Pittsburgh, or if things are even going to be, be, get better. I don't expect that to be the case, but I do expect you to recognize your issues and move off of it. The, the 49ers didn't hang on to Trey Lance this year just because they had him. They, they cut ties. They said, we'll cut our losses and we'll start to maybe yeah. build some confidence with the rest of our team. Kenny Pickett has regressed. 
He has lost his confidence. He doesn't have the ability to go through the progressions that we saw at the end of last year and in the preseason this year. Uh, continuing with Matt Canada is not going to just magically make that uh, turn around and, and get better as the season goes on. The offense may get better as the season goes on, but it's it's going to happen despite their play caller 100%. Mike Tomlin says we don't live in our fears all the time. The guy's a, a gem at the mic, has phenomenal uh, moments with these uh, you know idioms and phrases that he likes to use, and that's one of his favorites. If you don't live in your fears, you were two times fourth and short, and you decided to punt it away to the other team when we're literally facing down a Houston Texans uh, team that is beating you, that you're down multiple scores, and we're going to punt it away. Okay, fine. Then it comes to fourth and one late in the game where you're encroaching on enemy territory, and you say, you know what? We're actually going to go for it. Awesome. Finally, I've been waiting for this. And you line up out of shotgun, just like you were saying with the Chicago bears. And I was yelling at my TV. Why are we in shotgun? The team finally actually got the run game going with Najee Harris in the second half. He had the best game of, uh, of potentially his career, to be honest with you, and definitely of the season. And they go with a, not only out of shotgun, but they call a pass play. And what happens? Kenny Pickett, which he's prone to do and, and, and is a sign of, of something uh, you know very uh, glaring, an issue that he has, is he runs into coverage and he ends up getting hurt. Thankfully, it looks like it's just a bone bruise. He should be back potentially even this week, but if not, certainly after the bye the week after that. You're, you don't get it. Your quarterback gets hurt, and then later you're faced with the same situation and you punt again. It's just none of it makes sense. This team doesn't have an identity, to your point. It's a disaster across everything. And Mike Tomlin deserves all of the uh, you know, blame for this because you can only blame Matt Canada so many times to where it's – He's Tomlin, not going to fire himself. You, Matt Canada's he, not going to fire Matt himself. Matt Canada can't fire himself. Yep. Tomlin needs to go into that room with Art Rooney and say, I, I, I need to do this. It needs to happen. And Mike Tomlin is the one who is notorious for hiring assistants that are – uh, you know, not knocking the doors or socks off of anybody. He doesn't have a coaching tree in 17 years. He doesn't have a coaching tree. It's very and interesting. It's a great point. The Roonies are notorious for having staffs and, and, and Tomlin is as well of having the uh, lowest paid staffs and the lowest number of assistant coaches in the league. This is on Tomlin as much as it is on Matt Canada. And I'm over it. It's I, I'm sick of this. I'm just going to read this, Mark. I know I've been like ranting a little bit here, but these stats from Warren Sharp are so mind-boggling. I know Sharp's great. He's he's, he's great so to follow good. because it makes you he makes your point for you with numbers. I just exactly. watch and go, don't do that. But then he goes, this is why you shouldn't, and I'll show you the data. Since 2021, when Matt Canada took over as offensive coordinator, if Pittsburgh's defense has allowed fewer than 22.4 points, which is the uh, league average. Uh, of teams scoring each week. If Pittsburgh's defense holds teams to below average, they're 19-3-1. and one. If they allow more than 22.4 points per game, they are 1-15. and 15. This offense cannot win you a single game on their back. They can't do it. They can't even put you in a position That's Matt where they'll bail you out. That's all Matt Canada. And in the modern and on- NFL, like I said it earlier and you said it here, 
Your defense, it's just the rules are they're what gonna, they are. They're gonna give you're up gonna points. give up. You're gonna give up points even for the best defenses. You have a bad day. The Steelers just clearly had a bad day defensively. Guys weren't getting sacks against backups. So that's when you need your offense to be like, don't worry, we'll take care of it today. And you know what I mean? Like that's what the Bears offense needed the defense to be like, all right, you gave us a 21 point lead. We're gonna ratchet down and we're not gonna give up anything. They couldn't do it. It's, again, it's it's just it's mind blowing. It's frustrating. You have every right to be angry because it is it is no identity is the off. If your if your offense does not have an identity, your offensive coordinator deserves to be fired, or if your head coach is an offensive coach, deserves to be fired. That is your job. That is your job. If you're a defensive head coach and your defense doesn't have an identity, you deserve to be fired. That is your job. One side of the football can lead you and win you a bunch of games, whatever, whatever you build your identity on. And if your team has no identity on either side of the football, again, you should be fired. Like that is your job. Your job is to coach the players to create the identity so that teams know what they get when they play you. And then you as a coach have to then battle through that, find the other things. But the Steelers are the epitome of this offense has no identity. Loyalty and stability are the Steelers' greatest strengths and their biggest weaknesses by far. Yeah. They are stubborn to a fault, and they won't give up on Matt Canada until at the very earliest the offseason. And at that point, you have just now wasted two years of Kenny Pickett's development with a rudimentary college offense, all for the sake of uh, clutching your pearls and hanging on to your decisions. The final note I'll make on this before we go on, 26 first-half drives the Pittsburgh Steelers have had this season. 26 in the entire first half. Guess how many have led them to the red zone? In the entire first half, 26 drives. Four. One. One time. <laughs> one time in the first yeah. half they've gone to the red zone. They scored on some big plays because they have talent. But, again, if you can't get to the red zone, you're not putting drives together. And again, that goes to identity. You do, your script isn't good. Your first half should be easy to get to the red zone. Yeah, because yeah. those are those are games that you th those are plays yeah. that you've dialed up. The NFL average of three and outs in the first um, half is thirty four percent of their first half drives end in three and outs. The Steelers fifty eight percent. Yeah, that's, all, that's almost I mean, sixty percent of the time they're going. You three have and out talent. It's coaching. It's it's, co it's coaching. It's and when you have a team built this way, you have to have early leads. They can't play from behind. So no. for those first half stats to be what they are, this team is already guaranteed to lose a game in the first half based on how they're playing. All right, that's uh, that's off my soapbox. It's brutal. Somehow that team is two and two, um, which yeah. is the only thing that gives me some, I guess, uh, hope on the horizon because they play the Ravens next week and could potentially be three and two uh, and two and oh in the division. But yeah. Hopefully brighter days are, are ahead because it's brutal. Uh, we will rapid fire through the rest of these games. Not too much to say on most of these, Mark. The Raiders go on the road. The Chargers win it 24-17. to Aiden O'Connell getting the start here, his first NFL start. Didn't look pretty at all. Khalil Mack with six sacks. In he this got game. frustration. Player ever to do that. <laughs> What's that? I, I missed. He got he everyone was saying, "Where's Khalil Mack? Where's Khalil Mack?" He took some yeah. frustration. Out. There he, he is. showed up. Yeah, yeah. And, and Justin Herbert tosses three touchdowns on the other end. Look, the Chargers didn't look great, and for them to only win by seven against a really bad Raiders team with how talented their offense is, maybe gives you a little bit of pause. But at the end of the day, 
you know, they won the game. It's like you, you can't ask for much more than that. So the Chargers get a much needed win. Yeah, just like the Ravens against a backup in division, take care of business win. Like they took care of business. They did what they needed to win the game. And listen, guys, you know, you give up 10 points in the second half. You don't score any in the second half. You feel good going up 24 to seven at halftime against a backup. Of course, it's human nature. You're, you let off the gas and that's what happens. Chargers have righted the ship for now. People, have, they've gotten a little bit of the pressure off themselves. And for the Raiders, it just goes to show you, um, without Jimmy G, they are in in dire, dire straits offensively to try to score points and be competitive. Yeah, it's just uh, they're a uh, a carousel right now, and um, I'm not sure how how much stability Josh McDaniels has there in that yeah. job because uh, they are they're continuing to fall. Patriots go on the road. Speaking of falling, Bill Belichick suffers his worst loss in his career, thirty-eight yeah, to three, as the Cowboys absolutely destroy Mac Jones and company. Mac Jones was even taken out of the game in the third quarter because Bill was like, there was no point in leaving him out there and just letting them tee off on him. Uh, he had three turnovers in this one. Cowboys score twice as Dallas leads the NFL in the turnover margin category. Dak Prescott and company hanging on to the football and they get a 35-point victory at home. I'm still not sold on the Cowboys, um, but yet again, I mean, they're they're winning big, so you got to give them props because their defense is really living up to the billing. Yeah, I'm not sold on the Cowboys either. You know this, but I will say this was a great game for the Cowboys to bounce back. Everyone's questioning their defense. You lost Diggs. He's out for the year. Uh, you lose to the Cardinals. You come back playing a very, very average or below average offensive team and your defense does what it does takes care of business still don't know how I feel about you know Dak Prescott and the Cowboys as a whole because I just haven't we have not seen them yet against a really good opponent have to go blow to blow to blow to blow they're either blowing people out or they're getting blown out and so you know that's they're three and one took care of business and for the Patriots man offensively their game plan with those weapons is just not good. It's not good enough. And they're, they still overall, I mean, it's not as bad as it was with Matt Patricia, but you could just tell right now this offense just does not have enough talent. And Mac, he is the guy. He's the guy that, if, again, if he was in Kyle Shanahan's office, <laughs> he'd be an MVP candidate. But in this offense with these weapons, he's a very below average quarterback. And, it, and, it, and it, you hate to say it, but I feel like, as Patriots fans, at least you know that, right? Like, you know that yeah. now. Your quarterback, if he is surrounded by a great offensive play caller and a ton of talent, could win you a bunch of games, maybe in a Super Bowl. But in this situation, you're going you're gonna to have days like this where you get blown out, and then you may barely win the next week. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of put up or shut up time for New England and, and Bill Belichick because, you know, obviously he's staring down the NFL record for wins. He's probably going to end up coming back next season. What are they going to do with Mac Jones? What are they going to do at the quarterback position? This is uh, something that they got to answer and, and, and get it figured out soon because it doesn't appear Mac Jones is the long-term answer there. The Cardinals, who continue to impress, uh, you know, ended up walking into the league's best team in the San, San Francisco 49ers, and they fall 35-16 to 16 behind four Christian McCaffrey touchdowns. He had the chance to tie Jerry Rice's uh, record for – uh, touchdowns in a game, but Brock Purdy ended up getting the quarterback sneak in the end zone late in this one to, to rob him of that. But Josh Dobbs, no interceptions. He did not lose the game for the Cardinals in this one, Mark. 265 yards, two touchdowns. 
They continue to be kind of a little bit scrappy at times, but yeah, look, I, I don't need any more convincing. The 49ers are the best team in the league this year. They're better than the chiefs. I think they're better than the Eagles, to be honest. They're my yeah. number one um, because, because of how they're playing with a guy like Brock Purdy. I couldn't imagine what this team would look like with a Jalen Hurts on her center. God forbid, Patrick Mahomes. Good Lord. Uh, health is going to be a thing, but the way they're playing right now, they deserve to be in that number one spot. And, uh, and they are cruising so far through the first quarter of the season. A lot can happen throughout the season. We know this. But right now, 49ers clicking on all cylinders. They look great. And they continue to run the football well with Christian McCaffrey, who uh, might be the MVP candidate right now. I, I don't know. He, I mean, low, he's, I, he's been phenomenal. He's the most valuable player on their team for them offensively, absolutely. And he is—he's uh, been healthy, and he's—and they're scheming him really well. Listen, I'll say this: Yeah, the Cardinals are doing exactly what they need to do. They're losing, but not looking like the Bears, where it's like I don't want to play for them. Caleb Williams might actually want to play for them, and that's a good thing if you're a Cardinals fan. If you're the 49ers, you you just the only thing I would ask you to remind yourself of in the back of your mind, just saying to yourself, January, it's winter, it's snowing, and you need Brock Purdy to get you you're down 10 points in the fourth quarter to the Eagles in Philadelphia. Can Brock Purdy win you that game? I I don't know. I just don't know. The rest of this That's team. Fair is capable of winning that game. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe this team is that good to where they will win that game for Brock Purdy no matter what. Um, but that's my only hiccup right now in the Niners. They absolutely can win the NFC. They absolutely can win the Super Bowl. The question mark still remains is Brock Purdy in those big moments. He It seems though he'll get his chance to, to show us here in a couple months. Chiefs go on the road for Sunday night football in New York. And uh, we almost had a freaky Friday situation where Patrick Mahomes and Zach Wilson switch bodies for uh, <laughs> a few quarters of this game, because my goodness, Zach Wilson yeah. coming out party here. It only took till year. Uh, what is this year? Three or four, three uh, for three. Zach Wilson. Uh, but the chiefs do pull out the win 23 to 20. And uh, you know, the uh, Mahomes and company did control uh, the tempo of this game late in this one, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, for all the, of what Zach Wilson did well, he also cost them the most costly play of the game uh, with, uh, you know, the, the, the untimely turnover in the fourth quarter. Like the Bears with Justin Fields. Real, best game is a pro, maybe. And then yet it's a turnover. It's a bad play late. Listen, Zach Wilson, now, the, the thing he has to do, he bought himself another week. And so you have to turn it into another good game. You can lose. But just buy yourself another week. Like, he's living week to week. Justin Fields isn't living week to week yet. He's getting close to that. He got close to that. But, like, you're living week to week right now. Desmond Ritter, he's living week to week right now. Zach, like, Zach's got to do that. He's got to He's got to build. He's got to build and at least have uh, be able to do this consistently. For the Chiefs, again, I wouldn't worry if I was the Chiefs. People were trying to pick a part I saw on, for, you know, on, uh, on Get Up and all this. Like, what are the Chiefs this? It's like, don't. Don't panic. Don't panic. It's a really good three Jets. And one. <laughs> it's a really good Jets defense. They're on the road in New York. There's a lot of distractions as we go. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. We all know what's going on. So um, don't panic. You get a W. You are absolutely um, uh, out of New York. You move on. You, you keep grinding, and you're going to be fine. The Chiefs defense is very, very good. Uh, the Chiefs offense 
They'll be fine. They'll figure it. They'll keep figuring out. Patrick Mahomes has one bad game. He usually has two or three a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's not, he lost to the Titans in regular season a couple of years ago. Stinker to the, to the Bengals in the regular season a year ago. Like he has a couple bad games. He's not Superman. Uh, and so this is one. He'll probably have another one, one and a half at some point in time down the road. But uh, don't panic. Don't overthink it. They're still winning despite the bad games, much like the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they're they're um, they're able to to have other people step up and make the necessary plays. Final game Monday Night Football. Seahawks put a hurt on the Giants, twenty four to three. Daniel Jones, uh, just another brutal showing uh, for this New York offense. Obviously, they they were down Saquon Barkley and an offensive lineman in this one, but. There's just not enough juice from New York's offense at all. Brian Dable showing frustration on the sidelines. Meanwhile, Geno Smith gets hurt, gets fiery, comes back in. Uh, all in all, they're able to get a very convincing 21-point victory over the Giants on the road. So the Seahawks continuing to do what we thought they would, and they are 3-1 and one now in the season right on the heels of the San Francisco 49ers in division. Yeah, great for Seattle. Huge win for Seattle and um, a, a real team win for Seattle. Um, I will say if you're Seattle, the biggest thing is make sure Gino is healthy. And then if you're, if you're Seattle, can you build off of that defensive performance? Yes. The, the Giants offense is not good, but can you build up some of that? Just, you know, Juju and say, Hey, to our, like we're, we're, we can play this level even against good offenses. Like, can you go in with that confidence to continue to play games like that? Uh, cause they looked absolutely terrific for New York. I'll just quickly say, I don't know what to do. Like, it, I've never seen a coach throw the tablet like that and just kind of toss it aside. Yeah. Like, and basically up. look at him like, I, I quit. Like, what are we, what are you doing here? I think the NFL community is smart enough to know it's not Brian Dable. I, I'm pretty sure Brian Dable has a lot of confidence in the NFL. Now, they were giving up pressure left and right. That offensive line is not good. And it's not all on Daniel Jones, but it looks as though the coach feels, and I trust the coach more than the quarterback, that there were things that he, the quarterback could have done or should have done that would have made this a much more competitive game. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a problem uh, for years to come potentially in New York. They are paying their $160 million quarterback a lot of money next season, over $43 million against the cap in 2024. That does it for our week four recap here on the Football Lounge. For Mark, I'm Dan. We'll see you back here for week five.